Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast would be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to this episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for listening. Our guest today is Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. Dr. Pryor is an author, researcher, and English professor who until recently served as the professor of English at Liberty University. Dr. Pryor has just finished her last semester at Liberty after having served on the faculty there for more than 20 years. This fall, she is joining the faculty of the college at Southeastern in Wake Forest, North Carolina, as the first research professor of English and Christianity and Culture. Dr. Pryor is the author of a number of books, including Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, Fierce Convictions, The Extraordinary Life of Hannah Moore, and the book we'll be discussing most of our time today on Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Books. Dr. Pryor's work has been personally helpful and encouraging to me, and I'm excited to welcome her to the podcast. Dr. Pryor, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we were speaking just a few minutes ago before we started recording. This book on reading well was one of my favorite books that I've read over the last few years. Uh, I think because it incorporated so many of my favorite novels within the book itself. Uh, and as I've been recommending it to people, uh, it reminded me of another helpful book that I uh, read as a college student and then again as a seminary student, um, and probably one you're familiar with. It's Adler and Van Doren's classic work, How to Read a Book. Uh, the idea of reading a book called How to Read a Book always seems a little funny when, when I say it. And likewise, when you think about writing a book about reading books, that might strike people as an interesting topic. And so I know you talk about this a little bit in the introduction of the book, but maybe if you would begin, uh, what led you to write a book, really two books about reading? Hmm. Thanks for asking that question. I mean, I love to talk about this. And um, yeah, so so the first book that I wrote, which you mentioned, Booked Literature in the Soul of Me, was written um, in the, you know, really in the first decade of my teaching. And when I first came to Liberty University, yes, over 20 years ago, I found that among the conservative Christian students that I was teaching, there was kind of a hesit hesitancy among many of them to read widely. Um, you know, Christians could be, their parents could be kind of strict about what they should read, or they limited themselves to just Christian living or Christian doctrinal books. And so I had to encourage them to read more widely. But a lot has happened in the past 20 years. And one of those things is digital media, social media. And so I think we've entered a different era where people are reading a, a lot, right. a lot of Twitter feeds, a lot of Facebook posts, a lot of fake news. Um, and so what we are losing really is the ability to read well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, we use the word read in two different ways, two main ways. One is of course, like the ability to, to understand the letters and the words and sound out the word and know what it means. And that's sure. what we, yeah. we learn in grade school, but there's a larger sense of reading which really means interpretation. Like how do we read someone's face or read what they're trying to say or even read the Bible? I mean, the, the, the big word we use for how we read the Bible and interpret the Bible is hermeneutics. Um, 
reading the Bible well means applying a good and faithful hermeneutic so that we read it correctly and with the understanding we should have. And the same is actually true of even a tweet or a, a, a book. You know, we, we can read something the right way or we can read it the wrong way or lots of ways in between. And that's the skill I think that we're kind of losing in this fast-paced world where we're just reading, you know, coming across a lot of words, taking them in and not judging them well. So that's the long version kind of, of, of how I came to write this book about reading, not just widely, but reading well. No, I think that's a great answer. And and as you were talking about just the idea of the hesitancy in some of your students to, to read widely, I, I remember a story when, when I was in high school, I had a friend in youth group who once told me that the only book she ever read was the Bible. And I remember as a high school student, like thinking that was a super spiritual answer and feeling kind of guilty about spending the time that I was like reading Lord of the Rings. Uh, but obviously I've come to see the error in the way of, of, of thinking this way. And I think you give such a helpful defense for reading widely for the sake of spiritual formation, but not only reading widely, but but as you said, reading well. Um, and so I think that's what this book does when it transitions from a call to read widely into a call to read virtuously. And virtue is a strong theme in this book. And so how would you define virtue and what would reading virtuously look like? Well, the classical sort of age-old definition of virtue, um, which we often use synonymously with character um, and character formation, virtue formation, but with without necessarily understanding what it is, what virtue essentially is, is the moderation between two extremes, an extreme of excess or an extreme of deficiency. So we can have too much of a good thing or too little of a good thing. And, and to find that perfect balance is actually what virtue is. And, and throughout antiquity and even in the Bible, there, there are a lot of different kinds of virtues that are, 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 ta- are talked about. And I divide the book kind of in, in those sections. Um, but what they all hold in common is that they, first of all, they have to be tied to something good. They have to be tied to upholding the good or they're not virtuous. And they also, again, have to strive for this moderation. And we live in a culture where we tend, because we're so secularized and and we're so... um, we're so disconnected from any idea of transcendent good that we can often find ourselves praising things in and of themselves, like say loyalty or courage without mm. understanding that they have to be attached to good. Right. Like you, if you are loyal to the wrong thing, then that is not virtuous loyalty. Right. If you are courageous and doing something wicked, that's not virtuous courage. So this book, um, in talking about literature, I know it's kind of a strange thing. Um, I'm talking about some of my you know, most loved works of literature, but I'm seeing each of them through the lens of virtue. And not only just you know, like, oh, we can see this lesson about virtue in this book. That's not what I'm arguing, although that's certainly part of it. What I'm arguing is that when we enter into these fictional worlds and immerse ourselves in the world of the narrator or a character and see the world through their eyes and kind of make decisions along with them, we're actually learning to exercise and develop our virtue. I think that's a great answer and leads directly into my, my next question. Um, in the book, you write, to read well is not to scour books for lessons on what to think. Rather, to read well is to be formed in how to think. 
And you mentioned that C.S. Lewis makes a very similar point in his book, An Experiment in, in Criticism. And it reminds me of another book uh, that I would commend to our audience just while I have the time here. Uh, Alan Jacobs has written a short book called How to Think that came out last year. Uh, And I think this is such an important distinction to make that reading well is not so much about learning what to think, but a formative exercise in learning how to think. And so uh, kind of picking up a little bit on where, where you left off in that last answer, how does reading virtuously help to shape and form our ability to think? I, I do want to second that recommendation of Alan Jacobs' book, How to Think. It's outstanding. I actually used it in in a writing course that I teach, and we just uh, we just talked about it last night and during our final exam. It's a great book. Um, you know, I wonder if anyone might, out there who's listening might think about the number of self help books that they've read, especially Christian self help. We have such a voracious appetite for these books, and I wonder if we've ever stopped to think about why they don't really help us. Mm. It's because they're the sort of the opposite of what I'm talking about. They give us these tips and tools and ideas maybe, but the only way, and even if they're good tips and tools and ideas, I'm not, you know, they could be the only way they can actually help us if we, is if we implement them, we do them, we practice the things that they're talking about. And so what I'm, arguing for after a lifetime of reading good literature and teaching good literature and being immersed in the world of of language that's used in an artistic way um, is that when we think well with words, um, we are actually thinking think when we when we think in words, we're actually always thinking uh, and the better we are, in our skills with words, the better we can think. And nothing really teaches us how to use words better than the Bible, of course, is these works of literature that use words artistically and well. And they teach us how to use words and teach us how to think in words because that's how human beings process. We are, you know, made in the image of God and he is the word. Uh, You know, I, I think we're living, all of us, we are living in this really unique season in our society and also within the church. And the bulk of your book is this kind of exploration of virtue within classic literary works. And across the 12 chapters of the book, you mentioned this a minute ago, you kind of take examples of cardinal, theological, heavenly virtues and and point out really where they appear in the books that many of us have read and loved over the years or kind of how to filter them through through that, as you just mentioned a minute ago. And so I won't spoil the book because uh, we want our folks to, to, to pick it up and read it by walking through what each virtue is. But as we think about it in the, the broader context of, of the church, are there one or two particular virtues that you write about in the book that you believe are critical for the church to maybe exemplify and practice well in, in the season that we're in? Yeah, there are a couple actually, and and not coincidentally, they are the virtues. Well, there's I love them all. Um, right, but, it's hard so to let, choose one or two. I know, but let me pick one of the theological virtues, um, or at least two of them. So, so one, the Bible talks about faith, hope, and love, right? Mm, and right. um, and says that the greatest of these is love. And there's a lot that could be said about love, and so I'm not going to pick that one. I'm actually going to pick faith. Mm. Because um, one of the you know, we understand that faith is a gift; it comes through grace. But one of the things that we don't always think about is how we, once we have that gift of faith, 
we still can practice it. We can still develop it and cultivate it so that it's, we have greater faith rather than lesser faith. Um, and so that, so I chose a book to examine that, that a lot of people have, have, have given me feedback. They, they love this chapter, even if they haven't read the book. It's a book that really is a test of faith for the main character. Mm. Um, and he, he fails the test. And the question that the book really leaves us with is, is when we fail God, do, can we, do, are we still faith? Can we still be faithful? Does he still bless right. the faithfulness that we have as weak as it is and, and as flawed as it is? And yes, he does. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think that we, we do struggle with, especially, you know, in our, you know, we're Baptists and we believe uh, one saved, only, sure. always saved. I believe yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yet there's so much more than that. And we, we can live in fear because we think, oh, well, maybe we never were saved if mm. we have a moment of doubt. And that that's just simply not true. We can, we can have our moments of weakness and we can have our moments of strength strength that come through the grace of God. Um, and yet we can still grow in our faith and that's, right. that's how it's a virtue. No, and I, I think that uh, you mentioned that that's one of the ones you get comments on. That's one of my favorite chapters of the book and one of my favorite books. It's Shoshaka Endo's wow. Silence, which is a just a, a, a tremendous book about exactly what you just talked about. What what happens to us when we fail to, to be faithful? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I think that is, a, again, a, a tremendous uh, reminder for the church in this season, but also a, a great book that I would recommend our, our folks read. And so, uh, Dr. Pryor, let's say we have a listener who is not currently an avid reader, but hears this interview and decides that they, they really want to begin to cultivate the discipline of reading well. How would you encourage someone who is not a reader or a, a novice reader, perhaps, mm-hmm. to begin to cultivate the habit of reading well? The first thing that I would say is, that it's important to recognize that when we've developed bad habits, it can, it's actually harder than just starting out with kind of a blank slate. And most of us have developed bad habits of reading in this digital age. So we do read a lot. We, we skim blogs, we read the newspaper and we do, you know, we read in a bad way. Mm. Uh, now sometimes, you know, there are different kinds of, we don't need to spend a lot of time on most newspaper articles. That's fine. But right. But if we if we pick up a work of literature or theology or, f- or philosophy that uses language in a in a you know a more thick way, a more condensed way, and we struggle, we might think, oh, why am I having so much trouble with this? Well, it's not just because you aren't practiced in this good way of reading; you're also practiced in, in bad habits of reading. So yes. just kind of understand that from the get go, that it is a struggle. It's even a struggle for me who has been, a, a you know, spent a lifetime of reading. I've developed bad habits of reading over Twitter and, and Facebook as well. And then the next thing is to recognize, okay, so I need to not read the same way, read a book, a good book, the same way I read Twitter. How do I read it? And the first thing I say is slow down. Mm slow down, pay attention, reread a sentence, stop and reflect, mark it with a pen, um, ask yourself a question. If you don't understand, recognize you don't understand why this word is there or what what's the implication of this metaphor is, that's fine. But realize that you're, you're in a completely different experience and you need to slow down, be patient, really take it in, be reflective, mark it up as Mortimer Adler advises. Yeah, right. Um, and, and beyond that, just 
you know, be patient with yourself. Give yourself time. One thing that I've I've taken to saying in in recent weeks is all of our attention spans I think are shortened and we feel, our brains are kind of short circuited because of the pandemic. Um, give yourself time and patience. It's better to read one good book well than to read five or ten quickly and not well. Hmm. Uh, I just think about even just how practical that is and how how uh, much it really even applies to our spiritual life, right? I mean, just how much I think oftentimes when we read even the Bible or, or spend time in, in, in prayer that the Lord may be telling us, hey, sl- slow down, right? We live in such a microwave culture where everything, we want everything immediately, but learning how to slow down, we're learning how to process, we're learning how to actually do the labor of love mm-hmm. uh, really is where we, we, we kind of meet the Lord. And, and also in the same way as we think about the way that we read literature and, and read it well. And so Dr. Pryor, I'm so thankful for your time. This is just a, a, in the way of a personal interest question, but, but what are you reading right now? <laughs> Well, I'm just finishing up reading a lot of student papers, <laughs> which uh, I, I have to read well in a different way. But right, what, in I'm, a different way. <laughs> what I'm reading for for fun right now is um, is a book called The Overstory by the Pulitzer Prize winning novelist um, Richard Powers, and it's a mm. book about people and trees. I'm I'm about a third of the way through, uh, and then I'm also just going to be rereading one of my all time favorites, Jane Eyre by Charlotte. Yep. Bronte, because I this summer I'll I'll be uh, writing uh, a new introduction um, to the book to be issued in a in a new edition with B and H to join my my new series of classic works of literature introduced by me and guided by me with reflection questions, which is also another excellent way for people to learn how to read because I'm writing these books to kind of be a guide for people who are new to reading literature and especially these classic works. And you've already written two, right? Uh, Sense and Sensibility and. And Heart of Darkness, yes. Heart of they've Darkness. Ju- they've just yeah. come out, and those I do kind of do practice the kind of things we've been talking about here by helping people um, read with the reflection questions and introductions that I offer. Well, we would recommend that our folks would pick those up, and you can pick up a copy of those books or Dr. Pryor's book on reading well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Books at most online retailers, including Amazon Lifeway or wherever you buy your books. You can also find more resources and articles that Dr. Pryor has written at her website, karenswallowpryor.com. Dr. Pryor, thank you for your ministry, for your scholarship, and for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.